What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast, presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Amac Sports, Immaculate Sports. Mm-hmm. Either one should work. But it's episode 120. And a lot more exciting things happened this weekend. We had Christmas basketball. That's getting good. But it's really all about football season. There's two more weeks left baseball some big signings and one player who has signed twice and still doesn't have a home we're going to talk about that situation as well today i'm hyped yeah it's gonna be a fun one uh nothing too crazy today though nothing like insane that we haven't done in the past or anything just a standard episode uh, but a lot of fun topics to talk about today Uh, So I guess I'll get started with uh, my opener. And so my opener was watching the Broncos get destroyed on Nickelodeon on Christmas. Uh, They lost 51 to 14 to the Rams. And it's very fun and entertaining to watch Patrick Starr commentate Brett Rippon and Russell Wilson throwing interceptions. That was fun to watch. And uh, anytime the Broncos lose, it's a good day in my heart. Sure, sure. Well, the best thing I saw was the Christmas Day basketball some great games, you know, like the Sixers coming back, beating the hot Knicks. <laughs> the Sixers are even even hotter right now. Uh, the Celtics on fire, man. No coach, no problem. Taking down Giannis and the Bucks. Luka doing his thing against the Lakers. The Warriors bench shooting the lights out of the Memphis Grizzlies. And then Nuggets, Suns, NOT, Jokic doing his thing with the 40-point triple-double. All very entertaining. Yeah, a lot of good games on Christmas, basketball-wise goes. Uh, moving into our Immaculate Sports Player of the Week now. Four guys that we had this week, only wide receivers and running backs, so no quarterbacks this week or no defensive players. But Justin Jefferson, who had 12 catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown in the Vikings, 11th one-score victory over the Giants. Next up is C.D. Lamb, who had 10 catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. And their big victory over the Eagles to stay alive in their division. Next up is Donta Foreman, who had 21 carries, 165 yards, and a touchdown for the Panthers in their big game uh, victory over the Lions, which keeps them in the playoff hunt for that NFC South. And the last guy was Cam Akers, who had 25 touches for 147 yards and three touchdowns in that Christmas game victory for the Rams over the Broncos. As far as voting goes, we had 27 votes, so it wasn't like Bill's Mafia taking over or anything like that, but it wasn't like, oh, okay, one or two people voted. Uh, 3.7% of the votes went to Dante Foreman, so he comes in last. Next up is C.D. Lamb with 11.1% of the votes, Cam Akers at 33.3% of the votes, and then Justin Jefferson getting 51.9% of the votes. Get us. He's been the best wide receiver in the NFL so far this year, so... uh, Makes sense that he's finally getting some, I guess you could say, hardware on there. Maybe something that won't show on the uh, not football, on the reference, football sheet. reference page, but but uh, not yet. On there. But uh, <laughs> in our football reference sheets, it's on there. All right, let's move into the team reports now. Another rough week for the Raiders and the Jets. Tell me yeah. about the Jets game first, Skyler. Well, uh, the Jets got absolutely mollywopped by Jacksonville on Thursday, nineteen to three. Um. We'll start with the defense. Uh, Quinn Williams looks very good. You know, his first game back in a couple weeks, he had a strip sack, forced fumble, pass deflection, and uh, he's he's extremely good. Sauce actually gave up a catch for the first time in about four weeks, too, which was weird to see. But uh, at least we know he's human now and not a robot. That's cool. But uh, what we really need to talk about is the quarterback situation because Zach Wilson looked awful. He had 90 yards and a pick. And uh, Chris Strebler came in at the end of the third quarter and did better than him. And he has been on the practice squad the whole year. So I think we've seen the last of Zach Wilson. Uh, that's what Jay Glazer said a couple times over the weekend. And he's one of the most uh, you know trusted analysts from any sport on Fox. So, uh, yeah, it's probably real. We've probably seen the last of him, even though uh, – Bob Sala says he could come back. I think it's uh, Mike White until we sign someone else. And uh, still hope for the playoffs, though, somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. They went out and Miami beats New England next week. 
uh, they will be in the playoffs. Damn. All right, moving on to the Raiders. We lost 10 to 13 in Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve night. Uh, weather was probably the main story of this game. It was freezing cold yeah. in Pittsburgh, a ton of wind. Chris Balls wound up going two for four on field goals for the, the Steelers. Uh, so you can kind of get a gauge on how tough it was to kick and, and make plays downfield. Uh, in that weather, Derek Carr did not play good. 16 for 30, 174 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Though those interceptions weren't all his fault. I'll get more into those uh, in a little bit later. Uh, Jacobs, 15 carries, 44 yards. We just didn't give him the ball, which was really weird considering it was really tough to throw the ball. So might as well run the ball with the running back who leads the league in rushing yards. But I don't know. I'm not calling the plays. Didn't go well, though, of course. Receiving-wise, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro were the leading receivers. Renfro had a touchdown in the first drive of the game. Waller had four catches for 58 yards. Devontae... Uh, we couldn't really throw the ball to the outside at all. So he had nine targets, but only led to two catches for 15 yards. Uh, defensive wise, it was a weird game. Defense played well, like they have the last four or five games now at this point. Uh, but just it was tough for them because they had to keep on playing defense for the first three quarters. And once you get to the fourth quarter and your offense isn't doing nothing, the, their offense is eventually going to go ahead and do something. So we saw that happen. Uh, Denzel Perriman had a pick. Crosby had four QB hits. Uh, the, we had, we did not have a fumble. Uh, but Cleveland Farrell played pretty well. He had a TFL and a pass deflected. Uh, but the big story on defense is Chandler Jones and Denzel Perriman both got hurt in that game and are going to be out for the year. They're kind of injuries as well that they would have been out seven or eight weeks now at this point too. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's just like, oh, a sprain cap out for the year with two weeks left to go. It's a, it's a pretty significant injury for each of them. Uh, so rough there, but at this point, season doesn't really matter too much. I'm okay if we get, if we lose these next two games, even though it'd be nice to beat the Niners, it'd be nice to beat the Chiefs. Uh, it's better in the long run just to look at the draft stock. Uh, and speaking of draft stock with Derek Carr and all that stuff, uh, a lot of people on Twitter are talking about what, what should we do with Carr and is this the last of him and are we going to get Lamar Jackson, whatever. That's We're not getting Lamar Jackson. We're not no, getting, no one's getting Aaron Lamar Rogers. Jackson. We're not getting <laughs> Tom Brady. All, all these Raider fans on there are pretty delusional. But I'm very conflicted on what to do with Derek Carr because if you look at the free agent class – and the draft class, there isn't really any immediate guy that you could just put in there and have him be for sure better than Derek Carr. There just isn't. There isn't a free agent that stands out to me that's going to be available. Uh, and then the draft of the guys that could be better than him, I think, needs some time. Uh, and, and considering where you are going to be in the draft. Like I mentioned last week and the week before, I, Will Levis is the guy I have my eyes on. I think if the Raiders end up taking him with – you know, the eighth, 10th pick, whatever it is, uh, and just let him sit behind car for a year and, and then kind of let him take the reins yeah. after that, depending on how things go. That's how I think things can turn out well for this team. Cause their car is obviously still a serviceable quarterback. He's not like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And I think a lot of people are overreacting to this performance. Yeah. You see what Nick Foles did last night. That's not Derek Carr. Yeah. He was really bad. And Nick Foles was playing in a dome with perfect, conditions no wind and all that stuff and Derek Carr is playing in 40 mile an hour winds uh and in negative temperatures so uh we'll see how he plays over these next two games there's some interesting stuff with his contract that comes up in the offseason but we'll cross that road once we get there all right let's go ahead and move on to where we went right and where we went wrong where we talk about the picks that we had that we did good and we did bad on over this past week Skylar I'll let you go first on this one all right. Uh, where I went right was the game we were just talking about. I picked the Steelers over Vegas, and a lot of that had to do with the weather, mainly, like you said. Uh, but I, I'm really impressed with uh, with what I saw from Kenny Pickett in those last couple drives. He was throwing the ball really hard through the wind, and that was the biggest uh, you know weakness about him was he didn't have the arm strength. So I guess we were wrong about that. And where I went wrong, though, I picked the Giants over the Vikings, and this one really hurts because I feel like I've had so many of these picks this year where I really should have got it right. But Vikings had the last drive; they hit the sixty-one yarder. You know, doesn't even if you should have won, it doesn't count 
I got the red. Um, Vikings keep proving me wrong, man. Yeah. Uh, where I went right, I'll go with the Green Bay Packers winning over Miami in Miami on Christmas Day. I just thought it was going to be a tough matchup for Miami, and I think Pitt or not Pitt, Pittsburgh, the Packers are kind of on the opposite trajectory that the Dolphins are right now, with the Dolphins heading downward and the Packers heading upward. So, just a, a good matchup at the timing of the year. I think if they these teams played in Week Three, Week Four, it would have been a completely different mm. story. Uh, but I felt good that I got that pick right. And then where I went wrong uh, was the Jets over Jacksonville. I picked the Jets yes. to win in that game and. They did not, unfortunately, but I just felt that that matchup was going to be good for the Jets with their corners being able to kind of lock down on Christian Kirk, Say Jones, and those guys, uh, but the Jets' offense was just so bad. It wasn't a talent ball. issue. We got completely outcoached. It was really hard to watch. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Wilson didn't have anything on offense, and then when Strebler came in, it's just too little, too late, and he didn't yeah. really do much anyways, so... Uh, We'll go ahead and get into where's your head at now. Please. <laughs> starting off with our MVP ladder. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to talk about? I actually have a bunch of them. I realize there's two weeks left, and these guys have no chance of making it on my list. So I'll shout them out one last time. We got Kirk Cousins, Tyreek Hill, Nick Bosa, and Trevor Lawrence. These guys all did far more than I thought they would do this year. So they deserve the honorable mention. I think I'd put Kirk and Trevor Lawrence probably in that uh, conversation for an honorable mention. Uh, I think that is about it for honorable mentions. Because I didn't put any down. I was just thinking on on what it was. Uh, But on to number five. All right. Number five, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. He could still break Megatron records. Uh, he's having an insane season, but no one's going to vote for receiver. It's unfortunate. It's like that because we've had two years in a row, you know, Cooper Cup last year with, uh, you know, you can make the argument. They were the two best players of their their seasons individually, but it's going to go to the quarterback. Yeah. Number five for me, I didn't feel comfortable putting these guys on an audible mention. So I went with two guys at number five, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Just two guys that are leading their squads to the playoffs, doing really good jobs, but just not as good as these top four guys. Uh, and not as mm-hmm. they're in that section where they should be on a list, but there's just too many guys at this point. So not on to number four. All right. Number four is where I have Josh Allen. It's a great season, but 13 interceptions, eight fumbles is a little bit higher than everyone else on here. But I I still have them in that that category of, of the top four. I have Burrow at number four. This week was a little rough. Uh, he threw three touchdowns, threw three for 350 yards, but he also threw two picks, including a pick six to Marcus Jones, uh, which probably Marcus Jones might be an honorable mention on this list for how good he's been for the Patriots of yeah. these last like six to seven weeks. But uh, yeah, a solid week for Joe Burrow. They got the dub, continued their win streak, all that stuff. But I think these other three guys are just a little bit better than him right now. On number three. Number three, I have Jalen Hurts. The voters love relevancy and it sucks because he probably has even odds with Mahomes if he doesn't miss the past past week and maybe this next week too. But uh, he still deserves to be in the conversation. He's just not going to win it. Yeah. Uh, number three for me is going to be where I put Justin Jefferson. He is the only non-quarterback on this list for me. And I think it's time that I finally give him – some upper tier respect to say, putting him right. at, at the higher part of my list and not an honorable mention or in the five spot. He's just been like, I mean, he's so good, dude. Like Kirk Cousins literally has plays where he just says, screw it. I'm about to get stacked. Let me just throw it up to Justin Jefferson. And he comes down with it more than I've ever seen anybody come down with those balls. So he, uh, he's amazing. He's going to be great for a long, long time. And, uh, I'm not saying any anything close to Jerry, but he's mm. going to be in that realm of stats-wise if he continues this, this progression throughout his entire career. All right. On to number two. Number two, I have Joe Burrow above Jalen Hurts because he's having an almost identical season to Patrick Mahomes. Second in yards, touchdowns, QBR. He's just slightly below him in everything. And it holds up when you watch him. 
too. They're really good. 11 and four. They're on an absolute tear right now. They've won seven in a row. And that's why he's up here because he has a legit chance. Number two is going to be where I put Pat Mahomes. Uh, A solid week this past week. Nothing too crazy. Uh, I still have that number one guy at that number one spot, though. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, number one. He's first in yards, touchdowns, QBR. Uh, He's got the best record in the AFC. He's six and one at home. I'm just making stuff up on the spot here. I mean, it's not, I'm not making it up. I'm just, I'm finding stuff on the spot, just looking for more stuff to talk about because we all know he's the greatest. Yeah. Number one for me is going to be Jalen Hurts. I still have him on this list. And I think it becomes a very interesting situation because sometimes availability is just the best ability. And so they're going to value playing, you playing 16, 17 games. But when you are 13-1 as a starter and when you come out and your team loses, that kind of shows the literal term of how valuable you are. Uh, if he ends up lose, not playing three games, then yeah. I completely see why they put him mm-hmm. Mahomes. And uh, it's probably going to be deserving anyways because Mahomes has had a great season. But at this point in the season right now, Jalen Hurts is my MVP. And All I think right. especially if he just plays this one last game, it's the Saints. They win there and lock up the division, one seed, all that stuff. He he will lock up the MVP in my mind, unless Mahomes throws for like ten touchdowns over the next two weeks, which I hope doesn't happen because they play the Raiders next week. So, alrighty, let's move on to this interesting Denver situation that they got going on. They get blown out on Christmas. Uh, then the day after Christmas, on Boxing Day, Nathaniel Hackett gets fired, so he has to pack up his boxes and get out of town. Uh, so there's obviously going to be a head coach opening there. A lot of people are saying Sean Payton and all that stuff just because that's the opening, and we've heard about him wanting to go into a job. Uh, but if you are this new head coach going into Denver this next season, what do you do with Russ? Are you trying to move on from him, or is he the guy that you are trying to build around or well, what do you do? Well, I said this the last time we talked about uh, Russell Wilson. I don't remember if it was a week or two ago, but the new coach has to find some assistants that like Russell Wilson, not just tolerate him because Russell Wilson's either stuck there until he's retired or he gets released and that delays the rebuild with his cap hit. And I understand a new regime might want to try to find a new quarterback, but it's not going to be right away. It, it can't be. It's impossible. So, Find some assistants that love Russell Wilson. That's the only way it can work. Yeah, I think if you are Denver's owner and, and GM and all that stuff, you have to find a head coach that does really like Russell Wilson. That's a big thing. And you have it has to be with them. Because I think also if you're a head coach and you're realizing, hey, if I if I cut this guy and just move on from him, I'm going to get fired in two years because I'm going to suck and I'm yeah. not going to have the money to compete with these other teams that are spending a hundred million more dollars than me. So you're going to have to find a way to compete with Russell Wilson, whether that is just having that crazy defense and hoping Russ gets a little bit more better or just completely shifting the offense around and trying a whole bunch of new things and new people and new schemes and all that stuff. You got to do something with Russ uh, just because that's the only way that you're going to keep your job past that one, two, three year mark where we see so many coaches go in and go out of jobs. Uh, but I, I'd keep Russ. Yeah. I think he's not, he's had games this year where he hasn't looked that bad. And he's also had games where he's looked really, really bad. But I think he has a higher chance of rebounding considering his track history than, to, you know, taking the risk of throwing a hundred million out of the window. So, sure. But I do it with uh, Mr. Unlimited. Speaking of coaches that got fired or should be fired or will be fired, who are the guys that you think will be gone after the season or I guess during the season if there's going to be yeah. a firing in this next week or so? So I feel like we have to start with Cliff Kingsbury. I think that's a complete mess in Arizona. Kyler is hurt, and that's tough. But obviously, they those two don't get along. So someone's going to have to leave. It's not Kyler. Uh, so that's going to be Kingsbury. Yeah, and I'd also, say Kingsbury yeah, as well, by the way. Okay, yeah, I, I guess we'll that. do it as we go. Uh, I have Lovey Smith also in this category. Uh, I don't blame him, really, but 
he knew what he was getting into. This was a bridge year, and uh, it's unfortunate, but his team's pretty bad. Uh, you know, he's he's made guys like Jalen Petrie, uh, especially in the secondary, look really good. And uh, I feel like they're going to miss that with Lovey Smith because that's what he's best at doing. But I think he's going to be one and done. Let me say something about Lovey Smith yeah. before you move on to the next guy. I don't think he should be fired. I think he will, though. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. he has done a completely okay job with the stuff that he's been given as a team. Uh, and when you just look at the last three or four games now at this point, they competed with the Cowboys, they competed with the Chiefs, and they beat the Titans. And their roster is fucking terrible. Uh, like Skeller said, they are in a bridge spot, so probably going to try to get that young offensive bind in for that number one overall. Daniel Hackett, I heard, is available. Oh, yeah, that'd be... <laughs> That'd be crazy, but uh, I'd probably go get your your young offensive guy that you want to pair Josh with McCown. your your yeah, it could be him. Yeah, Heinz uh, Ward <laughs> that you want to pair with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, Will yeah. Levis, whoever yeah. it ends up being that you take up that number one pick. It's time, uh, especially if they're taking a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, I don't think he should be fired. I think he he's definitely going to go to a spot and become a, a high tier coordinator for a team that's competing. All right. Well, that's my first category. Uh, that is will be fired. My second category is the guys who won't be fired, but we need to keep an eye on them. We'll start with Josh McDaniels. It's not necessarily anything he did wrong these past couple of weeks. I just think it was the wrong hire. And I think the GM, I'm uh, forgetting his name. I'm sorry. Uh, Dave is Ziegler. Gonna, Ziegler is going to realize, oh, yeah, he's my friend, but he's not the guy here in a couple of years. So as far as uh, McDaniel's goes, yeah. I think I think he should have another year sure. just because if you want to stick with Carr or want to do anything with Carr having in your next year, I think that probably ends up being the most likely probability with all the things that I was talking about earlier with the guys replacing and all that stuff. You have to keep McDaniel's because just having another coach come in here next year is not going to help you. You know, with Carr, he's seen six offenses in nine years. He's had yeah. so many different guys that he's had to have knowledge come in, come out of, and all that stuff. And this year's been rusty. But when you look at how things have been in, like, the first drive of games over the past, like, three or four games, like, the script coming out of the locker room has been amazing. The adjustments aren't there yet in the second half, and that's why we've seen so many leads blown, and that's the leads one are another thing I think that why is a motivator to go ahead and get him fired now mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, Raiders have had like three or four or five, 14, 15, 17 point leads within the first half and they've all gone to shit. It seems like, so I think McDaniels does stay, but I don't blame the people that want him fired. I'll mm-hmm. say that. All right. Well, the next guy in this list of they won't be fired, but we got to keep an eye on them is going to be Brandon Staley from the Chargers. We talked about it last week, and they did make the playoffs last night, so he's not going anywhere yet. But if you watch these Chargers games, you know he's made some horrific decisions. And if you're a head coach in the NFL, everybody knows, everybody watches you, people don't forget, and you only have a couple of years to clean your act up, or you're going to go back as a coordinator. Yeah. Uh- I think Staley's kept his job for sure this year, not at this yeah. point. I know that's kind of what you were alluding to there. Mm. Uh, he he doesn't really have that long-term fit to him, but I think that's something we can kind of tell just by how these teams play. And I don't know if you watched the ESPN, like Scott Van Pelt after the game yesterday, but they took us inside the Chargers locker room, and it was Brandon Staley giving out the game ball. And this was... I'd be so mad if I was a player if he did this. So he he talks about this whole thing. We made the playoffs, all this stuff. And I've been wanting to give out this game ball to this guy ever since I first got here. He goes, Dean Spanos, get over here. And gives the ball to the owner, to the owner of the team. Mm -hmm. Like what? That's such kiss ass, dude. Like if I was Justin, I know Justin Herbert doesn't care about that stuff. But if I was a player that went off last night, I'd be furious at that. So that's a good do what point. You do, but uh, I don't know. I just wouldn't be happy with it. All right. Well, my last guy in this category is going to be Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland. It's because he didn't have his guy the whole year. Obviously, he didn't have enough time to cook things up. Deshaun Watson was suspended. But here's another guy who has 
he has made the playoffs before, but also made a lot of mistakes and hasn't seemed to fix his uh, play calling issues. So that's another guy who could possibly return to coordinator in a few years. And I have uh, one more. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. I, for Stefanski, yeah. I think he he's a dark horse to get fired. I don't yeah. think a lot of people are looking at him because he hadn't had Watson this entire year. Mm. But I wouldn't be shocked if they say, oh, sure. in the first five, six weeks of Watson, it's not looking good. Let's just go ahead and get a different guy in there and start from scratch. All right. I'm excited for this one. My last category is what did you just say? So the first guy on this list is going to be Dennis Allen. In his first year, I've heard rumors that this is actually the place Sean Payton's coming back to. He just had a a year of absence, and they were just holding the spot for him. I I actually have Dennis Allen on this should-be-fired list. Uh, I don't have him actually being fired. I don't know if that happens just because I think the Saints kind of realize where they are right now. I think it benefits them the most to suck ass next year and just get the first overall pick. And they're a team that's in the spot that can actually go ahead and do that since they're not going to be that's true. You know, having a pick or anything like this. So they, they have a chance to be really bad next year. Uh, trade their guys, do whatever they have to do, and, and end up getting Caleb Williams. I think that leaves room to have Dennis Allen as a coach next year. Sure, but it could be one was, more one more year. Yeah. yeah, but I think he should definitely be fired once – once this rebuild, not rebuild, but once this like next chapter of this New Orleans Saints team hits, he's going to be gone out of there. All right. Um, there are two more guys I want to mention just in case they do retire. It's Sean McVay, Ron Rivera. We've heard these rumors for a couple of years now, both of these guys, for different reasons, obviously. Sean McVay, I guess, just looking for a new challenge or something. But uh, Ron Rivera definitely could be fired, even if they make the playoffs uh, or, you know, forced into retirement because new ownership's coming in. I have, uh, so I'm not going to talk about Rivera or McVay. This is kind of the retiring okay. things where it's kind yeah. of just subjective or whatever, but good points. They definitely yeah. could happen. And that's the end of my, One guy, video. go ahead. You did not mention that I do yeah. end up thinks, thinks, Arthur think Smith gets fired is Arthur Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he sucks. Like that offense is not anywhere where it needs to be. They completely didn't use Kyle Pitts at all this year. Drake London is having an underwhelming year. Uh, and Desmond Ritter just kind of looks lost uh, offensively in his first two or three games at this point. And it's, I think that offense in general has a lot of talent. And when you see those guys that mentioned earlier and guys coming in the next few years that are going to be high draft picks, you got to get more out of those guys. Yeah. And uh, so if I'm Arthur Blank, I think that's their owner name. Uh sure. I would begin our get rid of Arthur Smith this year and let Desmond Ritter or whoever you want to have a quarterback next year go ahead and have a new guy at the home. All right. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're currently winning the division, but they look so bad. I mean, they barely beat Trace McSorley on Christmas. They lost to the Bengals. They got killed by the Niners a few weeks ago, barely beat the Saints, and they lost to the Browns five weeks ago now at this point. Uh, do the Bucks? I mean – Sneaking in the playoffs is one thing, but do they have any chance at all of making a deep playoff run, or is this just a confirmed one and done like it looks like? I never want to count Brady out, but I've seen enough of the Bucks this year, man. They almost lost to McSorley, like you said. They refuse to run the ball. Everybody's hurt. It's just not going to happen. It's over. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think the Bucks are that... That feeling of saying, oh, just because they have Tom Brady is a sole reason why they can win a Super Bowl. It's it's stuff we said in the past. And, yeah. you know, maybe we do get screwed over from this and the Bucks go on some crazy run. But there's just. Hey, that's what happened a couple of years ago, right? They, I would say that, but they just, they don't look competitive yeah. in these games. Like the Niner game, they just got killed, dude. Against the Bengals, they got killed. Even though they had that 17-point lead, they just got killed in that second half of the game. And they, like, when you're not able to keep it competitive against those top-tier teams, there's nothing making me say, oh, yeah, they can do that in the playoffs just because it's Tom Brady and it's in January or whatever month it's going to be. They are worse than the Eagles. They're worse than the Niners. They are worse than the Cowboys. For sure. That's like 100% sure. Uh, and then there's the Vikings, the Commanders, the Giants, the Seahawks, and all those teams below them that maybe 
maybe they could be, but I mean, you're the fourth seed. You're playing the Dallas Cowboys that week one of the playoffs. So I think they'd be one and done there. Yeah. If they do it because the Carolina Panthers are right on their tail. And so are the saints actually too. Uh, let's move on to the Packers. Yeah. Uh, Cause the Packers are rolling right now. They're sitting at seven and eight, just outside of a playoff spot. They've but they've won three in a row. Bears, Rams, Dolphins victories there. They have the Vikings this week who are untouchable in one score games, I guess. Can the Packers actually do this? Can they pull us off or is it just too little too late for a rod? It would be awesome. And they're going to make it pretty close when they beat Detroit in two weeks, but they're going to come up just a little bit short. They need a lot of help from the NFC East and they need Minnesota to choke one of those one score games that they haven't yet next week. And uh, I'm taking Minnesota spoiler in that one. Sorry guys. I think it's interesting. And uh, I saw people saying that, Oh, would the NFC teams be scared of like a Packers team making the playoffs? Uh, And I saw somebody say, no, they're going to be eight, nine and eight, whatever. If they do make it, there's no way that that scares another team. But when Aaron Rodgers is there and you've seen the throws that he can make, even despite him kind of being a playoff choke for these last four or five, 10, 10, 12 years now at this point. Uh, uh, They're still the Packers and it's still Aaron Rodgers. So uh, will they make it? Likely not. But I'm going to say, I say they will. I'm going to say they will. They need the commanders to lose one out of two games, and they need them to win both. So I think they can win out. That game's in Lambeau, too, uh, against the Vikings. That does help a ton uh, because Kirk Cousins, those guys have been playing indoors for a lot of those games. But uh, I'm not kicking a 61 yarder in Lambeau. I think Aaron Rodgers (laughs) is going to get it done and send the the pack back to the playoffs. That would be cool. Other side of it. The Miami Dolphins. Those two teams played on Christmas. Dolphins are currently in the playoffs by eight and seven, but they are holding on for some, for dear life. And they have two games here at the end of the season that really matter as far as playoff seating goes, because they are eight and seven. Two teams that they play are two seven and eight teams in the Patriots and the Jets. Uh, and then there's the Steelers that are seven and eight too. So they're kind of in that conversation too. Four teams kind of battling for that last spot, and I guess the Raiders are not technically eliminated, so you can count them in if you really want to. Uh, but really, four teams. Are the Finns going to hold on to this playoff spot, or is it going to be probably one of those other AFC East teams? And uh, just before we start, this is me taking off my Jets hat. This is my NFL hat on when I say this. They need to put Tua on IR and end of season. They need to roll with Teddy Bridgewater. That's three concussions already. And apparently he self-reported this one. And that doesn't happen ever in the NFL because everyone wants to play. But he took the time to say, there's something wrong with me. And sometimes you just got to do what's right for the player, especially if you think he's just, he's your franchise quarterback. And that's if he doesn't retire. Cause that's another, another rumor too. If you want to, you know, pitch in on that before we get into the actual games coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as his retirement goes, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if he should or anything like that because yeah. it's it's a situation where we kind of just don't know much because we're the bystander on the other side of the country. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if this is a situation where he can get another one or two, like it's that's definitely career ending. So if mm. you have five concussions, four concussions over the span of two years, that's that's literally career ending stuff. So mm. bump to a. And I'm content with leaving the game. I'd do it. All right. That's pretty nuts. So let's get into the to the numbers here. It's probably going to be Bridgewater against New England at the very least, if I had to guess. And I think he can beat New England. I think they'll be fine there. The problem is I don't know if he can beat the Jets if everyone's healthy. And I, I know not everyone's healthy, but I mean Mike White. If they If the Jets can score 20 in a game – they will beat Bridgewater because if you remember earlier in the year, Zach Wilson dropped 40 points on the Dolphins defense. So I think Mike White in this situation, in this scenario where two is not playing Miami probably doesn't make it. I think the Dolphins realistically have a better chance of beating you guys and the Patriots. I think the Patriots are really schemed up well for this game right now. And uh, especially Teddy Bridgewater, Belichick's good at doing a select few things on on defense wise. And it's taking down your biggest 
threat. And the biggest threat for the Dolphins is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You take away those two guys and Teddy Bridgewater's stuck doing other stuff to Mike Kosecki and trying to run the football. Dolphins are going to be screwed. Uh, so once the, that happens, they'd be tied with the Patriots at eight and eight jets. You guys play the Seahawks Seattle. this week. Yeah. So say you guys even win that game. It's eight and eight going into week nine. Then they have to win another game and they yeah. hope that the Patriots don't beat the bills, which is tough, but yeah. uh, it, it's going to come down to that game uh, against the jets. But I do think the Dolphins will choke this spot. Will it be to the Jets? Will it be to the Patriots? I don't know, but uh, I don't think Dolphins make it. They just don't have the the feel to them right now. I'll say that. All Let's right. go to halftime. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back to halftime. Started off, as always, with the NFL injuries. And uh, like we mentioned just a bit ago, Tua Tungabailoa under investigation once again with the concussion protocol. Um, I doubt he's going to be playing, man, but... Uh, Oh, there's a chance. There is a chance. Um, one of the gnarliest plays I've seen all year was last night when Derwin James knocked himself out on a hit. He was ejected for the hit too on Ashton Doolin, and uh, that was that was nuts. I mean, right now, go if you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's it's ridiculous. Kyle was texting because I wasn't watching with Kyle. He was texting like, "Bro, Derwin needs to get kicked out of this game." Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, sorry, I need to come back to reality here. Uh, Buda Baker, Cardinals Pro Bowl safety, fractured his shoulder against the Bucks. Out the final two games. That doesn't matter. Why is this on here? What matters is Mike White being cleared to play against Seattle. Beautiful against, uh, you know, all odds here. He finally found a doctor who would clear him with his fractured ribs. And I'm excited because it actually gives us a chance. You know, I don't think we're going to go to the playoffs, but I'm going to stay positive. Uh, Lane Johnson, though, the Eagles tackle has been so good his entire career, is out for the regular season with an abdominal injury, but he should be back for the playoffs, according to Schefter. Um, yeah, that's that's not good for Philly. Everyone's starting to get hurt here uh, when it really matters, and I know they, they got their spot pretty much on lock, but it's just never good to lose the chemistry with some of the guys. Um and speaking of losing losing the chemistry with the guys, Lyle Collins, Bengals starting tackle, very good. He tore his ACL and MCL against the Patriots over the weekend, and that's a guy they will not be getting back for the playoffs. That's massive. That's the kind of injury that will, you know, determine if the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl or not. And uh, this one really sucks. And I'll remember to keep this in mind when we're making our playoff predictions. Uh. Is there anything more? You mentioned all the Raider injuries. And I think that is about it. Other than Lamar could return next week, but they don't know. Of course, uh, we'll never know. Maybe he's on the Phantom IR too, and we just don't know. Uh, that's a thing that's been happening with Lamar these past couple of years. But uh, let's get to some, some, I guess, good news for J.J. Watt. At least he's uh, played his last home game. In the NFL, he's set to retire, and what an awesome career. Three depoys, one of the most unstoppable players I've ever seen. You know, that's our yeah. generation's LT. And yeah. uh, it's sad to see him leave, but it it was awesome that, well, both of us got to watch his entire career pretty much. We I was, uh, I think, 11 when he got drafted, or 10. So I was watching football then. We saw his whole career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool stuff there for J.J. Watt. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about before yeah. we get to college football picks and previews and all that stuff on there, Pro Bowl teams were announced. Oh yes, sir. Uh, on Wednesday last like week, football. so I feel like we should mention those uh, again. Pro Bowl this year's literally seven on seven or whatever, so uh, not going to be. I don't know. Pro Bowl is pretty stupid. I wish anyway, we, they so gave us some we'll, skills challenges like they used to, you know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes there. Uh, I want to see the guys bench 225. I think that'd be fun. Uh, see Larry Allen do 550 yeah. reps. But uh, I'm going to go over the teams really quickly for you. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks in the AFC, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. Running backs in the AFC, Chubb, Jacobs, Henry. Fullback in the AFC, Pat Ricard. Wide receivers, Terry Kill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Jamar Chase. Tight ends for Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. Offensive tackle, Laramie Tunsil, Toronto Armstead, and Orlando Brown, which is really interesting. Yeah. He's been 
terrible this year. Uh, uh, offensive guard, Joel Batonio, Quentin Nelson, and Joe Thune. Who all and of them then, bad, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, center was Creed Humphrey and Mitch Morse. Okay. Moving on to defense, defensive end was Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, and Trey Hendrickson. Interior lineman, Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, and some bum named uh, Quentin Williams. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, he's, <laughs> now we're past that point. You know he's good. <laughs> Wanted to see the Skellers paying attention or not. Uh, outside linebackers were Matt Judon, Khalil Mack, and TJ Watt. Middle linebackers were Roquan Smith and CJ Mosley. Corners were Sauce, Pat Sertan, Marlon Humphrey, and Xavier Howard. Free safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. Strong safety, Derwin James and Jordan Poyer. Special teams, Morgan Cox, Tommy Townsend, Justin Tucker, Devin DuVernay, Justin Hardy. Uh, yeah. So that concludes the AFC's team. On to the NFC side, where if it slows, I will tell you it. Uh, there we go. Geno Smith, I know, is on there. AFC quarterbacks, Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, and Kirk Cousins. That seems crazy to say that it's those three guys and not like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and whoever. Uh, Running back, Saquon, Tony Pollard, Miles Sanders, biggest snub of everybody is in this uh, category with CMC not being named as a normal one. He was named as an alternate, though. Uh, Fullback was Kyle Juszczyk. Wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin. Tight ends were George Kittle and T.J. Hawkinson. Offensive tackles, Trent Williams, Lane Johnson, and Tristan Wirfs. Uh, Offensive guard, Zach Martin, Landon Dickerson, and Chris Lindstrom. Centers, Jason Kelsey and Frank Ragnow. On to the defense, Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, and Demarcus Lawrence for the defensive ends. D-tackles, Aaron Donald, Jonathan Allen, Dexter Lawrence. Outside linebackers, Michael Parsons, Darius Smith, and Hassan Reddick. Inside linebackers were Fred Warner and Demario Davis. The corners were Darius Slay, Trayvon Diggs, Tariq Woolen, and Jair Alexander. Quandra Diggs was a free safety, strong safety, Buda Baker, like Skyler mentioned earlier, as well as Talanoa Hofunga. Yeah. Uh, and then special teams were Andrew DePaula, Tressway, Jason Myers, Cavante Turpin, and Jeremy Reeves of the Commanders. If you haven't seen the Commanders video about them telling Jeremy Reeves that he's a pro bowler, go watch that now because that will tug on your heartstrings a little bit. But uh, moving on to the college football picks. There you go. Yes, sir. So if you didn't know, Saturday, the college football playoff semifinals are happening. And I got my picks here and a little preview to go along with the picks, too. If you want, you can chime in, too, Kyle. So uh, we'll start with the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. Saturday, 1 p.m. Pacific. It's number two, Michigan, and number three, TCU. My pick is going to be Michigan. They're going to run all over TCU, but it should still be entertaining. That's my take on this game. I'd probably take Michigan, too. Mm -hmm. All right. The next game, the Peach Bowl, Saturday night. It's number one, Georgia, and number four, Ohio State. I'm taking Georgia. It's another one that should be fun to watch for three quarters, but Georgia has the best athletes in the nation. They're going to repeat. They're playing at home, not their home stadium, but in a stadium they've already played in this year in Georgia. And it's going to be really hard for Ohio State, man. They haven't played a real game in a long time. And to come back against Georgia – I don't think they have a shot. All right. I'm going to go Georgia yeah. as well. Yeah. Pretty easy there. Okay. I thought you were, yeah, your silence was the answer of obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, before we uh, we jump back, though, into to NFL news, I want to talk about the transfer portal real quick because we haven't talked about it in a couple weeks, and there's been some crazy stuff going on. So we'll start it off with Travis Hunter, Dion's guy. He's following him to Colorado. The number one prospect last year, corner, receiver, do it all. Should be interesting. You know, him and Shadir, you know, on the big stage in the Pac-12. Should be really fun to watch, even though they've screwed over uh, a couple people committed to Colorado that I know it's, it's tough. Uh, I'll go through some of the top people. You probably won't know them, but just maybe some people to keep an eye on. Ernest Hausman was a linebacker from Nebraska, five-star, is committed to Michigan for next year. Denver Harris, a corner from Texas A&M is not going to LSU. 
And Fentrell Cypress, a corner from Virginia, still hasn't decided where he's going. But let's get into the quarterbacks. That's that's why we're here, right? A lot of quarterbacks have already transferred. We'll start off with the top quarterback on the board here, Devin Leary from NC State. He's going to Kentucky to fill Will Levis' spot. Uh, pretty interesting fit because NC State just wasn't very good this year, and Devin Leary was hurt. So hopefully he gets another shot, you know, get his NFL career started that way. Uh, Grayson McCall is the next guy, Coastal Carolina quarterback. He's actually playing right now in a bowl game. And it's one of those situations where he's entered the portal, but he really hasn't made up his mind what he's going to do. He could still go to the draft. Uh, people close to the team say he could still come back to Coastal after a year and just decide not to transfer. So we'll see, because I really like Grayson McCall. Uh, next, Hudson Card, quarterback from Texas. Uh, it's tough with, uh, you know, Ewers already there and uh, Arch Manning coming in. So he's going to Purdue. I really like that spot because Purdue, uh, you know, has got a, a little air raid going on there. And DG, DJ, nah, DJ Uyunglele, the Clemson quarterback, the big man, is going to Oregon State. That's a team that was really good this year, ranked in the top 15, and all they were missing was a quarterback. So here it is. Maybe this kind of move could start up his career. Um, to keep his same colors, too. Exactly. There's one more I want to talk about, about, too, because it just happened. Sam Howell from Wake Forest has entered the transfer portal, and the rumor is Notre Dame for him. Sam Hartman. Sam Howell is in the NFL. Oh, my Hartman. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, wait, I haven't heard about him for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Hartman. That's the second time I've done this on the podcast. Uh, I apologize to both of them. I will never do it again, even though Where you're the he? same player. <laughs> Where is he going? Uh, we don't know yet. He just entered the oh. portal, but the rumor is Notre Dame. That's a rumor Interesting. that he's interested. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, and... That's going to end the college football talk for halftime. There's just there's one more thing I wanted to mention. It may not be long. It may be long. I just wanted to ask you this over the podcast. There's been a lot of issues with scouting college quarterbacks. You know, just for example, it it is it's not 100%, but it's looking like Brock Purdy, the seventh-round pick, is already better than Trey Lance, the third-round pick. You know, obviously, he's injured. It sucks, but... You know, shit happens. Your job gets taken sometimes. And uh, similar with Mike White, a fifth rounder and cut multiple times before even getting to the Jets is is better than Zach Wilson. And and I think that's a fact already. And do we need to change the way we scout these quarterbacks? You know, obviously, Will Levis is a guy with a really strong arm who wasn't very good in college. Do you we'll, we'll start off with. I don't even know where to begin. Just, just uh, I'll, go I'll ahead. talk go here ahead. for a little bit. So I <laughs> so think what comes into this is that there is going to be busts. You know, you're going to have QBs every year that are good or maybe not good. You have QBs that are better than others and worse than others. Uh, and I think the, the quarterbacks classes of what, 17, 18, where we kind of got like four or five pro bowlers in those yeah. two classes alone kind of fooled us into believing, Oh, you're taking a quarterback in the early rounds. They're just going to be good. You yeah. know? And uh, that idea of, Oh, quarterbacks can be bad when you draft them is not really something that we've seen in the last few years. So now seeing it with these past two QB classes uh, is something that I'm not too shocked about. Uh, it was kind of due for regression in that category, but also what comes to it is the raw tools. Because when people draft a quarterback, especially when you're a bad team, you're not looking to draft a quarterback that's, you know, sound around the ears and a smart yeah. guy and, and doing all this stuff. Sure, that's awesome, but like nine times out of ten, teams are gonna take the guy who has that Will Levis or Josh Allen body strength and size and arm and all that stuff over a guy like Brock Purdy who you know, is smart, but doesn't have anything about him that stands out to the scouts that says, hey, this guy is going to, you know, run them for a hundred yards a game or, you know, throw the ball around the yard, whatever yeah. it is. And I think it's very similar when you look at MLB scouting. Uh, obviously, there's more drafts, more busts and stuff because you're picking 20 rounds or whatever uh, throughout the entire draft. But when you look at pitchers specifically, the guy that throws a hundred is going to go higher than the guy that knows how to pitch yeah. that throws 85 or 89, whatever it is in the, in the low nineties, because 
coaches and teams within the organization think, think they, they can, can mold those top yeah. guys into being a pitcher like that lower part is. So that's why you see so many guys in the big leagues who maybe don't throw the hardest, but they know how to pitch. And they are these guys that aren't a top 100 prospect or, you know, do all yeah. this stuff that they get them on the, on the radar from sports center or MLB network or MLB pipeline, whatever it is, but they know how to do the right thing. So I think it's kind of just the same thing that you can look at when it comes to quarterbacks. I like that take. And I'm really hoping that We've just had a couple of bad quarterback classes, and that's the issue. It's not a scouting or a coaching issue because that's going to ruin football. People trying to mold the next Mahomes because it will never happen again. Yeah, and I think also when you look at this quarterback class that we just had, the guy who has the highest ceiling hasn't played this year. Sam or Matt Corral has the highest Mm -hmm. ceiling out of all these guys. Uh, Will he end up being great or will he end up being bad? Who knows? But uh, he has the ceiling, and so – not seeing any flashes from any of these guys this year, it feels like is it's not too shocking to me. I thought you were going to say Brock Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> As of right now, man. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's that's all I have. Unless you have anything else for the quarterback scouting, I'm here. all good. Um, something we will definitely revisit, especially in the off season when we do more draft talk. Um, but I thought we should mention it at least for a little bit here. So that's the end of halftime. Yeah. Kind of sticking on that baseball thing here. Segway, I guess. A good segue. Uh, into our baseball second half, talking about the Correa deal, his fallout with the Giants, and his deal with the Mets uh, that might fall through as well, which is pretty interesting. Uh, we'll talk all about that. But first off, we talked about the Correa deal last week on our thing with the Giants because we kind of – assumed it was just going to happen, even though we had that report of yeah. oh, the physical isn't the greatest. We didn't think it actually formulate into him going to another team. Uh, of course, it ended up happening that night where it ends up switching over. So unfortunate timing for us there. Uh, but if Correa goes to the Mets, yeah, how does that shake up to NL East? Are the Mets this like, godlike team that's untouchable now? Or are they still going to be spiting and scrapping for the first spot in the division Uh, compared to the Braves and, of course, the NL champion Phillies. Well, if he actually does go there, this will give the Mets a lot of lineup protection. And I'm I'm talking about for for a decade they have protection in their lineup. You know, they're still going to be scrapping. They still will be. But we're talking about the future here. And and that includes, you know, hearing that Correa, if he does actually figure this out, would be willing to move to third base – I'm sure Lindor could move to second if he was asked to, too, especially with no shift. Uh, the middle infield's going to be a bigger priority than it has been the past couple of years. But right now, I have no idea. You know, I, if I had to bet on it, I would say a mystery team gives them another a short-term deal because the medicals, I mean, I, I have no idea what's wrong with them. Something about his ankle 10 years ago? I don't know. Uh, so apparently like the injury itself was something that occurred on a slide on September 20th is what I've heard. He had like this weird slide in Kansas city where his knee didn't buckle, but he was just kind of like an awkward sliding distance when he, he did slide. Uh, but if he does go to the Mets, assuming that he does the Mets, I think now have the right guy to lead their franchise. Uh, when you look yeah. at Lindor and you look at Pete Alonso and the guys that have been the leaders there the past few years, they're great. Like they are great players. They've done well for their ball clubs. You know, Pete Alonso doesn't really have that veteran status yet, I guess, if you want to call it that. Even though he's, been he's a veteran status hitter, though, for sure. Yeah, he is for sure. But maybe just not as yeah. mature as you want as a as a guy for a leader. Lindor has obviously taken teams to the playoffs when he was with the. Cleveland Spiders. Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's taken teams to the playoffs and taken them to the World Series and done all that stuff. But Carlos Correa is one of the best leaders in all of baseball. Even uh, if you I, hate him, it's, it's exactly. the truth. Yeah. He is an amazing player, and he shows day in, day out with his work, his, his ethic, and all this stuff that he is the guy that you want as the franchise leader. And even – People are complaining about why he's getting $300 million when his numbers aren't as good as Swanson or any of these people, Trey Turner, whatever. Uh, and it's because of this leadership ability. People know that they are getting a guy that's going to have their win total go up 
not just because of how good he is as a player, but how good is he motivating his teammates to want to do better. And I keep going back to this clip uh, in 2020 when the Astros were playing the Rays in that was the ALDS at that point, mm-hmm. or maybe it's the ALCS, but uh, Framber Valdez is kind of getting shit talked by the Rays after they score a few runs off of him. They're up in the dugout chatting and all that stuff. Uh, and Correa goes up to him and he starts yelling at him and he's telling him, don't take that shit from them. Lock it in. These guys can't touch you when you're on. You just have got to believe in yourself, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And next thing you know, from kind of stuff has I said to you, <laughs> six, six, ten, nine outs, whatever it was straight without giving up a hit or a run. And the Astros, of course, almost came back in that series from being down three yeah. zero, ended up losing game seven. So it didn't matter. Uh, but he was the guy that kind of flipped that switch in frame for Valdez's head. Uh, impact for Valdez now, of course, is something I'm not sure of. Valdez is one of the best lefties in all the big leagues now at this point. Uh, but I can guarantee you that Correa has something to do with that, with mm-hmm. how good Valdez is. Uh, other side of this Correa deal is that yeah. the Giants are left without a shortstop for the next 12 years. Uh, so how much does leaving San Francisco hurt the Giants? I think all the damage is going to be short-term for the Giants. You know, the lineup's probably going to suck. It's going to be really hard to lure in Otani next year if your team has another shitty year. And, you know, maybe long-term you dodge a big bullet if he really does have some issues with his his knee buckling. But uh, it's not going to be the 2024 offseason that, that all the Giants fans think it's going to be anymore. That's the issue. You can't lure anyone in if your team sucks. Unless you're just, you're Cohen. That's the only way. <laughs> yeah, the, the Giants completely struck out this free agency. I know they got Conforto and Hanniger and Manaya and Stripling, but they just got they don't have anybody that stands out for them. Yeah. And I think that that's rough because I mean obviously they've got some great players, Jock Peterson, Logan Webb, and and, and all those guys sure. there. Yeah. Uh, but you lost Rodon, so it just makes the road rotation look even worse, even if you have a good guy like Logan Webb leading the way now. Uh, and the lineup is just so average. Like you, This team is destined for an 81-81 and 81 season. When's the last time Conforto's played in a big league game? Uh, 2021, because he was hurt all last year and wasn't signed by anybody. Uh, yeah. But the Giants, like they just... There's nothing about them that stands out. And it's not in the way that the Rays didn't stand out in the past where they just had all these guys rotate in and out. Cause I know the giants yeah. aren't like that and they don't think the same way. And they're not efficient with their money the same way that the Rays are. I see this team winning 81, 82 games max. And perhaps being fourth in the division. Uh, and that is because of the Arizona Diamondbacks and yeah. the moves that they made these past few weeks, including the biggest trade of this offseason, perhaps when Dalton Varsho gets sent to Canada for top catching prospect Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, we'll look at the Toronto side of this first. Yeah. How much does adding Dalton Varsho help their lineup? Toronto is going to mash this year. And, you know, having that extra catcher on the uh, the 26, man, made me think one's going to get moved pretty soon. You know, I just I thought it would be Jansen, not uh, not Moreno, you know. But in my opinion, it's a win-win here. Toronto's lineup is really good. It, it may be the one piece they were missing here to to go on a serious run. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it off right there because there's two sides to every story. Yeah. Uh, I will say first. A lot of people were talking about how the Blue Jays gave up too much for this trade and giving up Moreno and Gurriel was just not worth it. But then there's these people saying, hey, they gave up positions of depth. And I yeah. completely agree with that. They already have Alejandro Kirk, who was a starting catcher in the All-Star game. Yeah. So Moreno's path to, or not path to the big leagues, but path to consistently playing catcher in the big leagues isn't really quite there. And then you also... Look at Gurriel Jr. They got a ton of guys that can play positions in the outfield, and outfielders are kind of just more that abundant thing that you can kind of go grab and free agency or what do you want to do there compare, especially guys like Lourdes Gurriel who are just kind of that mm-hmm. slightly above average guy. Uh, but adding Varsho to this lineup, a 30 homer, 20 stolen base type guy, it's just like adding another high tier all star to your yeah. lineup. And I think when you look at 
Springer, Varsho, Guerrero, Bichette, Chapman, Kirk, all those guys in your lineup, you have six three hitters in there. And they are going to mash this mm, year. And they're pitching. I, that's that's the only word I had to describe them. Mashers, yeah, they're, man. Their pitching is going to be a lot better this year, yeah. too. They just got Chris Bassett. Uh, year three for Barrios in, in Canada. Year two for Gosman in Canada. Alec Manoa is developing year by year. Mm-hmm. The bullpen got better. They traded for Eric Swanson. This team got better. And I don't think a lot of people are looking at it that way. I think the people are looking at, Oh, they gave up T Oscar. Uh, they gave up Guriel. They gave up Moreno, but they did the little things to get better this year. Other side of that though, the D backs, uh, we talked about them perhaps being a little bit higher than the giants in the standings just a couple minutes ago. Uh, but what are the D backs? They have this young core, but the direction isn't really too sure. Are they trying to compete this year? What do you see this team being this year? And what do you see this team being in the long term as far as like just this regime or era of this next yeah. Diamondbacks team? The Diamondbacks are the up and comers of Major League Baseball. They're the Orioles of this year. It's a team with a whole lot of question marks, but the young pieces are already here. So that is going to move them along. I really like how the farm is organized because you have, and again, I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them, but just for example, the say the Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Morena era is already ready to go, you know? And when they start to hit their prime is when a guys like Drew Jones and Jordan Lawler will come up. And it's just, it seems like it's perfect timing to go all in in about four years for Arizona. Yeah, I really like their roster organization right now. I think the pitching is something that maybe needs Mm. a little bit more work because you have Zach Gallon as a great one. But besides that, is Blake Walston and Brandon Fat, those guys even going to be ready for you when you really need them? Uh, Merrill Kelly's solid, but and again, he's not really the the two guy I'd look at. I think he's more of a three. But their lineup and the guys that they have there are just so young, and it's all like perfect you know that jake mccarthy broke out last year he Mm -hmm. was probably a guy that could be 25 25 for them corbin carroll came up and he was great alec thomas came up and he wasn't the greatest but he's still going to be good uh and then they just have these guys throughout the infield as well that can play and they have katel Marte. yeah so it's not like it's all young guys it's the center of the franchise katel Marte, who can really be that vet that helps lead them there uh as far as this year goes, probably not going to be more than ceiling is probably 85 to 86 yeah. wins. Yeah. The ceiling, the absolutely high. Uh, but in the futures, it's going to be a wild card team. Yeah. The division's tough because you got the Padres, you got the Dodgers. Uh, and in order to be in that same realm as them, you kind of got to spend 200, 300 million dollars on your team to get a lot better. Uh, and you don't want to end up like the Rangers either, you know, trying to buy your way back in case prospects don't work out. So yeah. I mean. yeah, yeah, it's, uh, but the Diamondbacks, they're going to be in that, that running for that wild card spot yeah. consistently year in, year out, and hopefully division at some point. Cause I think that'd be fun to see, uh, once we get to 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, probably all the way through 2030, we're going to see this team in that playoff form. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and get to our layups and bowl predictions, and let's get on out of here. Another rough week for us, man. These cold games screwed me over. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be 10 degrees in, in <laughs> Kansas City when I made this bet on Tuesday last week, but the Chiefs, Seahawks, over 48 and a half did not hit. Skyler's Plus five for the Eagles did not hit because it, it was a six-point six. game. So tough. Uh, yeah. This week, though, I'm taking Dallas minus 10 against the Titans on Thursday night. Titans are probably going to rest a lot of their guys because they're in a spot where regardless of what happens this week, they win next week and they're in. Even if they win this week, it doesn't really help them yeah. that much. They're still going to need to win next week because of tiebreakers and stuff with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think... The, the Cowboys are probably going to kill them in this game. All right. I'm going to go with Alabama minus six and a half against Kansas state. 
in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, you know, this is one of the games where you usually have a lot of players opting out, but Bryce Young and Will Anderson are going to be there. They should kill Kansas State. Uh, last week for bowl predictions, I had the Eagles plus 180. I thought there was a chance that Hurts was going to play in that game because this was set last Tuesday, of course. Didn't end up playing. They stayed in the game for most of the time, ended up just losing down at the end, but definitely was still something that could have happened late. Yeah. Just didn't work out that way. And then Skyler had Air Force over Baylor in the Armed Forces Bowl. And they smacked Air them. Force, Air Force smacked them. They did a really yeah. good job in that game. Uh, this week, I have the Carolina Panthers plus 140 versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's in a situation. There, there's a thing in betting where the team that didn't cover last week is playing a team that did cover last week. The team that didn't cover usually ends up doing really well in the spread and the money line and all that stuff. This is the reverse of that. Uh, so the Panthers are riding the high of just being the Lions and being a good team that's been playing well, good football over the last eight weeks or whatever. And the Bucks are coming off of a game that looks like a loss, even though it wasn't. It feels like a loss, even though it wasn't. But I think the Panthers are just better right now than the Bucks, And so I'm taking them uh, plus one for right. I'm going to go with the Vikings to beat the Packers plus 150. You know, I was originally going to go with the Minnesota plus three and a half as my layup, but I thought the, uh, the Alabama and the sugar bowl for a touchdown was, was too good to pass up. So I'm going to take Minnesota to win this one. They've just pulled it out every single year. Every time I think about doubting them, I, I get proven wrong and Minnesota really wants that two seed. I assume plus one fifty. Yeah. yeah. That's going to do it though for uh, episode yeah. 120. 120. Right? Yeah. 120 wow. weeks ago. That's crazy. That's like yeah, 120 weeks. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to do it for this one. We will see y'all next week for episode 121. And uh, we'll see where we're at next week uh, with baseball and football and maybe basketball as well. A lot more NFL teams will be clinched by then. So we'll break it down. And yeah. Can't wait, Cal. Go Jets. Sure, good bits.